the last year of work before I left to do this, I was just really banging my head against the wall with uh, management telling you like your ideas aren't right or like you're not doing your job well. It's like, when you go work for yourself, you're only responsible to yourself at the end of the day. And it can be a little scary sometimes because the risk is so high. But now that we've fully transitioned here, I can't imagine going back. Hey, this is Heath Padgett, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 152. The RV Entrepreneur is a podcast for anyone who's interested in downsizing their life, creating remote income, and working from anywhere. Today on the podcast, I'm interviewing Tim and Finn. Tim and Finn are currently traveling a Pan American Highway from Alaska to Argentina in their 30-foot Winnebago sightseer while running their Amazon FBA store called Tripped Gear. FBA means fulfillment by Amazon, which essentially means that Amazon handles all the shipping and logistics for you so you can have a physical product business but not have to store a bunch of physical product in your RV, which doesn't really add up. And it's also another reason why Amazon is taking over the world. In our RV Entrepreneur Facebook group, this is one of the questions that we see other RVers ask a ton, which is just, how can I learn how to start an Amazon store? And there's a lot of podcasts and tons of podcasts and resources out there on starting an Amazon store. But in today's episode, what we specifically talk about is how they first validated their product idea, identify and source manufacturers in China to work with. They improve the product to stand out from their competition and how they've been able to leverage YouTube and other social medias to get initial reviews for their tripped gear and traffic to their Amazon store. We dig into a lot more specifics in this. Tim goes into some of the specific software that they use uh, to manage their Amazon FBA store and what you need to get going. Honestly, after this conversation, I went and sat down with Alyssa and just told her we need to do more stuff on Amazon because the place is just a behemoth and there's just there's so much opportunity. You have a marketplace that is just massive. And if you could figure out how to tap into that and and leverage uh, products that you want to create, there's just so many tools to do it in a really impactful way, especially as RVers to have a product based business that Amazon handles all the logistics for you and you can ship your product anywhere in the world while you're out exploring is is really the dream. So I'm excited for you guys to hear this episode with Tim and Finn. Before we dig into today's episode with Tim and Finn, just a quick word from today's sponsor, the Stories from the Road podcast. One of my favorite parts about RVing is sitting with other people and just sharing stories. The good, the bad, the hilarious. The Stories from the Road podcast talks to RVers from all walks of life and what led them to the RV lifestyle, the things they like, the things they don't like, and where they see themselves going in the future. The conversations are heartfelt and funny, and if you're any kind of RVer yourself, and you probably are since you listen to The RV Entrepreneur, you'll identify with a lot of what you hear. That's Stories from the Road podcast, and it's available in iTunes, Spotify, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, and everywhere else that you can listen to podcasts. Tim and Finn, thanks for being on the podcast with me, guys. We're so excited to be here. Uh, I, it's funny because we, I mean, we've been talking offline, but it's like you're just going to just to say this right at the beginning. You can hear the the nice ambiance that we've turned on of rain in the background for this episode. In our professional recording booth in the bedroom of the <laughs> RV that has the carpeted ceiling to kind of muffle that raindrop on the roof noise. Okay, but we're going to do something for all of you listening. We're going to go under this sheet here, and we call this on Instagram sometimes the voiceover ghost when I'm recording for YouTube. So we'll both be the voiceover ghost under the sheet if that's better audio right now. <laughs> Just a little warm. 
I love it. No, that's awesome. For a long time, it was, I felt I had to re-record things so many times because I would be recording in a campground or something like that. And what what happens in a campground? You're trying to record and people are coming by on lawnmowers or someone has their dog or whatever. And I would just either like apologize profusely or whatever. And after a while, I was, I got a couple messages from people who were like, Keith, we know you're recording an RV. We don't care. Like quit saying you're sorry. <laughs> it's just really annoying. Like, I'm like, okay, it's just going to happen. We're recording from an RV. So anyway, thank you guys so much. Where, where are you guys currently at right now? We're in Valdez, Alaska, which is right on the coast here. And um, we get to, well, when we're not under the sheet, we get to look out and see sea otters in the bay. Oh, beautiful. Valdez, is that like pretty far south in Alaska? We are. We're probably six hours south of Anchorage and just kind of how the whole Alaskan coast is so mountainous. You just have like the main highway and just all of these little passes out through the mountains into a little tiny town with a couple restaurants. Oh, wow. So this is like step one of what is going to be the next few years on the Pan American Highway. Hopefully, maybe some more sun. <laughs> yeah. So how is so I, I kind of interested to hear like starting at the beginning of y'all's trip, like y'all was it 2015 that you quit your jobs? Yes. <laughs> Finny's shaking her head. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's it's always 20... kind of... go ahead. Sorry. Oh yeah. So that was the original trip when we quit our jobs and we did about like ten months. Some of us got eleven months abroad because. Finn got to stay in Bali an extra month almost. But uh, yeah, that that was our original trip and foray into uh, not working. So it's always kind of fun to hear like, what was, what's the impetus? What is the, like, I was reading all, you know, actually I was watching like just some of the old videos from you guys. And I was like looking at all the random jobs you guys had done. Like I saw plumber working in retail at the mall at some point, I think. Uh, Finn, you mentioned doing a catalog for high fashion dog accessories and I wasn't like (laughs) super sure about, and then there was like an HR manager thrown in there. Uh, so, so I wasn't sure like it's a timeline of those jobs, but like what, at what point did the travel bug get planted in your head and you guys start thinking and brainstorming like, Hey, we need to go out and go explore and, and kind of change things up. I guess I'll take credit as the the brain child of the big <laughs> trip, but uh, I grew up um, learning Spanish in school, and then that was my major in college, and that was always a big passion. So I think the language led to the travel bug, and then um, you know met Tim, dated Tim, we got married, and it was just like that in combination of the typical story you hear of like not liking the nine to five, and we were just working the corporate Chicago jobs, and um, I I really had to convince Tim that this was a good idea. And Tim's five years older. And at that time, I think I was maybe like 25 and Tim was 30. You know, Tim's friends are having kids and pretty established in their life. And that just felt like a much more riskier time to do something like that, being 30 instead of like in mid 20s. (laughs) (laughs) So how did that conversation go, Tim? (laughs) Um, It it went gradually (laughs) about that. Well, it was just, I'm sure this is, well, a lot of people out there just graduated into the, I guess, recession. So it was just so hard to get a decent job then. So coming out of college, dealing with that, I had to do plumbing for way too long because that was the only like 
good paying gig. And, you know, my parents had a commercial plumbing company, grew up doing that. So then when we finally got jobs in Chicago and working and getting a, like a better job almost every year, because that's a great way to increase your salary is get a new job everywhere. It's like we put so much effort into this to get to where we were. It was just a major obstacle to hop over and be like okay now we're gonna walk away from all this after clawing our way up or so it feels like starting over a little bit right yeah yeah it does and it's something we hear about all the time on from people on youtube who will like take the time to email us and just like we're fighting about doing this my spouse wants to take the trip i don't and just what we tell everybody like we're just in such a better place so much happier and you don't have to necessarily leave your job and become a hippie living on nothing like you can pursue your own business or you know your own interests so it it was just a major thing to come around so finn was there like a really was there a point where you just like laid on a really good sales pitch Well, I quickly realized that Tim didn't care as much about reading travel blogs as I did, so that wasn't the route to go. And I saw like one of your favorite travel blogs that you follow was like Nomadic Matt, or were there other ones that you were like reading during that time? Nomadic Matt was really helpful for guides about where to go and what it was like being there. And then um, I really liked watching Carl Watson, who makes long. Um, documentary style videos on YouTube and just walking, watching his series and then thinking of it more like, cause I was really into just making videos of our vacations and things like that to share with family and friends or uh, casual things of people's weddings or bachelorette parties or things like that. And uh, it was like, Oh wait, this guy is just here on YouTube and he's just got one camera and it's not this whole big production. And it, it sounds silly, like saying it back now. I mean, like, yeah, so many people <laughs> <laughs> film, film their trip. But like, I don't know, that was more, I guess, like nuanced to me at the time. I'm like, wait, I could do that. Yeah. And and I guess that kind of skipping forward a little bit, but that long form documentary style is kind of like the approach that you guys have taken with your YouTube channel, which is really cool to see, like document the process of getting the rig and the first year on the road and things like that. So I guess that played a pretty big influence in the way that you guys like film and do everything for your vlogs. I think so. And I, I think that I looked at the trip like something that I was excited to film and that whole first 10 months year round, um, we filmed the whole thing, but didn't edit anything. And uh, you and I were just talking offline about you guys have all this stuff that you have filmed that you haven't edited. And it's like, well, it's, it's hard to, uh, it's, it's hard to like attack that project. It's actually very easy to like go out and film for a long time and then not edit it because it's less scary. It's like, it becomes very real when you have to like sit down and edit. And I'm, I'm going to put a challenge out there, like almost to myself right now to like go back and like edit all this footage that we have from our first year on the road because what I love watching you guys and again I know we're jumping around a little bit but like watching you guys go through the transition of hitting the road is so real and honest and heartfelt and it's inspiring because you're going through a really cool life story you're going through this period of change and uncertainty and sharing that and and I think that's what is very relatable and honest and helps other people because they're going through similar journeys and you can kind of walk with them through that. <laughs> that that sounds like a really nice way to look at it. When we go back and watch videos, it's just like, why can't you hold a camera steady? Just focus <laughs> on the subject. It makes it all the more real, right? 
<laughs> yeah, that first trip's absolutely brutal, though, to go back and like we had we still have no idea how to film things or camera setting, but we really didn't know what we were doing for the the first international trip. I love it. Our friends Karen Nate do travel videos on YouTube, and it's fun to go back and watch like their super early ones, though, just because they're they're obviously not as honed in and refined and clean looking and things like that. But it also is inspiring to somebody who's just getting started doing more videos, like people like us, because it's like I can go back and watch these videos and see like, okay, well, when they were about at this stage, this is what their videos look like. Versus if I go look at them now, it's like all these slow like slow motion beautiful shots with these drones and the color correcting looks amazing and all this other stuff. So it can be inspiring for other creators too. No, you're so right. That's one of my favorite things to do. I like when I find someone I like and Kara and Nate, I think are a great example. I like to go back in the early videos and be like, this is possible. <laughs> you can improve. <laughs> I know for a couple of years, you're kind of like planning and scheming and just a real quick overview. I want to get into y'all's Amazon store and talk about that process, but give me kind of sure. a quick overview of what that first year on the road looked like. You guys went to New Zealand and Bali and a lot of other places. So like, I guess at a high level, what did that first year look like as far as like your travel and your creating uh, videos and stuff like that? Yeah, great question. And I think this will like help frame everything up for the audience too. Like if you're wanting to get on the road and stuff, like the first trip for us was save as much as we can living in a really small apartment in Chicago, quit the job to live off of a budget. And then it was just like, okay, here's what we expect to spend on a daily basis. We were filming all of it, but you know, just like as a hobby. And then we basically ran out of money when we expected to. And that then brought us home to say, okay, this trip is over. It's time to find a job. And we came back and Tim started working more of a nine to five in an office. And then I started consulting. And so I was working remote, but doing similar stuff that before we left. So then we were back to making money, back to kind of normal lifestyle after trip one saying, um, okay, this is not going to work for us. Um, we need to get back on the road again, but this time it's going to be different. Money was a stressful point the last time. We need to create this as a lifestyle. And how are we going to transition from not saving to travel, but living to travel? Yeah. And I'm assuming, like you said, it was it was weird after a year of amazing adventures to come back and just be like life is normal. We That was kind of a, it was a weird thing, too, because, you know, travel, it, it will change you as a person. And it changes like what you think is possible and what you can wake up and what, what you can wake up in a day looks like versus just like going to an office like you're hanging out or going bungee jumping in New Zealand or something exciting. <laughs> and then it's like you just go back. And for most of your friends, it's like, oh, you went on a cool trip, but you, you like it. I don't know. It's hard to describe, but it's it, it, I'm sure it felt weird. I think a major thing was uh, we spent like two months in Bali and there are just so many expats living there who are just normal, hardworking people who have built their own businesses and just seeing those same people at a co-working space that we were using to do like job interviews and get that rolling back home. Like you just saw them like this is their life. These guys, you know put the effort forward and now they're spending their morning surfing. They're putting in some hours working in the afternoon and then have their evenings free. And they got rid of all the BS and stress of that. Like so many people deal with daily. That was huge to see in real life. Totally. So you guys come back home, you get jobs and then start scheming 
how can you make this more of a sustainable lifestyle? And how did you land on Tripped Gear, which is y'all's Amazon store? And you guys have packing pods and day hike bags that you can take uh, for your hikes and things of that nature. So how did you, of all the things, kind of starts going like, how did you land on building an Amazon store as the business that was going to fuel your travel? So because I was working remote, but Tim had to go into an office, it was like, okay, Tim, you need to figure out like how to, come on, <laughs> like Tim, come on. <laughs> Get a remote business. Yeah. So it was just like figuring out a way for Tim to find something else to do. Um, or did we want to just like live off my income or what, what the deal was going to be. And then uh, Tim, if you want to talk about like your, I guess, history of the product side. Yeah. So, uh, luckily Amazon was something a friend of mine had been telling me at like, Hey, I, I bought this program, like this training program. You should check it out because you used to be a buyer for that. We we talked about for high-end dog fashion. I was a buyer at a catalog company that uh, sold products to like middle-aged women. So that, that I was familiar been, with that. Should have been like a trip series, like a throwback. Like look at look at Tim in the office. You know, like selling high-end dog accessories. Oh my god, that was so good. Oh my god, dude, you don't know. I had to go to like pet shows and talk about pet fashion and what are the most popular dog collars and most popular dog coats right now get really wow. in depth but with this people. is before we had a dog like we you didn't have a dog <laughs> like you didn't understand yeah. like why are these people crazy about their animals like it's a dog yeah i mean i i get that people love their pet but when you're talking about like high fashion dog coats, you're like, what, what am i doing with my life um <laughs> But it was good because it taught a lot about like buying. It's not about what you want when you're a buyer. It's about like what is the customer looking for, market research. And I guess the big hurdle people have with Amazon is the importing thing. And that gave me a year of experience doing it for somebody else. So like just not afraid to reach out to suppliers in China. The negotiation is all like that stuff makes sense. And then as far as making sure you have a quality supplier and kind of coaching them through the product you're looking for and building it out from the beginning, right? Like that's all on the job training I got essentially for free before I started doing it for myself. And were they selling on Amazon or were they selling through their own website? They were old school. They were going through, they only had their catalog. Oh, I, only on like a physical company, catalog. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. They wow. had a website, but they like didn't put a lot of money into it. So they didn't have. They're like this internet thing isn't taking off. <laughs> yeah. <that's>, nobody's <laughs> interested. It's a fad. It's a total fad. Okay. So, but you kind of started getting a foundation for what does it look like to source products and work with manufacturers. And that part wasn't intimate. So as you guys were having this conversation and Finn was calling you out to like get something going, how did you guys land on bags? And then packing cubes and like how of all the conversations, I'm sure there was like a lot of different options for like what you could do. So how did you start there? Sure. So the number one rule when you're going to sell a product on Amazon, it's not particularly what you want to sell or are interested in. It's finding something that's high volume and low competition. And that's a more rear and rear niche these days. But luckily, after like doing the research on the Amazon side, as you would as anybody getting into it would do it was kind of cross-referencing it against what we knew we were selling it through our affiliate store already and seeing what people were interested in and just kind of finding a good first product to launch there that at least we could test the waters and, you know, just learn about the whole process. 
So you guys were already doing affiliate pushes through your YouTube and your blog, and you were just kind of looking at like, what are people interested in? And people were interested in the bags that you were selling that you were already using on hikes and things like that. Yeah, exactly. And I think like your second YouTube video ever was like packing cube review, right? That has like 70,000 views. So obviously people like that too. (laughs) Hey, those evergreen keyword videos, (laughs) like (laughs) review any piece of gear and it's going to be one of your top ranked videos. It's, it's insane. Yeah. Okay. So you start looking at like, what do people want? So you have initial piece of validation and where do you go from there? Like you're like, okay, we're going to make, we're going to make bags and we're going to make packing cubes. So how do you start going about like getting that Amazon business started? Okay. And I can walk through the nitty gritty of it. And if I'm starting to bore you and your eyes glaze over, let me know. (laughs) I can go more broad stroke. No, I love it. Because I mean, Amazon, starting Amazon store is something that I think a lot of people really want to do. So the more granular, the better. Okay. Um, and maybe you should talk about like the two different types too of Amazon selling. Okay. Oh, so, th- so much. Thanks for- through. I'll, I'll try to be brief <laughs> and interesting, but it's not that sexy at the end of the day. Um, back in the day, I did not have the software I use now. I use, you can use Jungle Scout to expedite a lot of this research and find products. Jungle Scout? Jungle Scout, yeah. And what does it do? It will help you identify products that would be good to sell on Amazon, depending on... That have a high searchability and low competition. Right. Sorry. Got it. Thank you. That's a good way. So I didn't have that because that's about $400. And um, it makes sense now to have because it's got some other functionalities that I can use. But you can also do it. It's just a little bit slower by... Pulling out, pulling out Excel and you start just tracking certain products based on their bestseller rank. Um, you can use some free tools to get an idea how much volume they're doing each day. And then you kind of compare that against how many reviews that the sellers for that product would have. So I guess you said you didn't do this in yes. the beginning because you, it was four, 400 bucks. Right. So I didn't have Jungle Scout. So I literally had to do it with Excel and log in every day and check on Amazon. Like, how many reviews does this have now? What's its seller rank today? What does its volume rank look like today? And just make sure, like, kind of the golden rule people use is you want to sell 10 items a day and make $10 a piece on them. Like, that's a decent product if you're starting just starting to look at getting into it. You that want is going to be your baseline. Is to make a hundred bucks a day from your Amazon store. Like I find a product that you can make that. Amount. Right, right. I remember saying last summer, I'm like, God, if I could just make a hundred dollars a day profit, like how crazy would that be? We could, we could move to Bali and like well, live yeah, totally we had, fine. We had and, just come from Asia where we were only spending twenty four dollars between <laughs> the two of us a day. Yeah. So I guess that's the first thing. If anybody's interested in getting into it, like your first product you launch, you're not going to just make bank and retire a month later. Like sometimes you have to think of it as not losing anything, but learning about the whole process with Amazon. So you start looking at products that are selling well on Yale's, through Yale's affiliate links and you start researching and did you just have like packing cubes and, and bags on there? Or did you have a number of other products that you were, you guys were talking through and looking at potentially selling? There was quite a few other products and even some outside of our travel niche. 
because I didn't want to, the worst thing you can do is fall in love with the product idea and try to make it work when all the data is telling you it's not going to work. That's, mm-hmm. that's not what Amazon is for. And that goes to a lot of the time friends or family will be like, oh, what if you make a product like this and sell this? Like, it doesn't mean it's not a bad product idea, but if you want to make money on Amazon, you don't want to uh, fight an uphill battle, sell something that's already selling. You, you don't want to reinvent anything necessarily. I will say, though, too, we had already had at least a year of, you know, we have a website, we have a brand, we have a YouTube channel. It made sense to create travel gear that we could promote on that social channel. You know, if you don't have that brand already and you're just looking at a way to sustain your RV lifestyle and you're going into something, it helped that we had just lived out of compression cubes for a year and we understood their value and we understood what type of people is buying that, you know, I wouldn't necessarily know anything about, you know, stainless steel pots and pans or or just something irrelevant. And then that would be that much more challenging to sell on our channel. No, that, that totally makes sense. So I guess what, one thing kind of zooming out a little bit from the weeds of Amazon is you guys had already pushed a lot of videos and started down this lifestyle. A lot of people who do content or YouTube, it's like you can go all in on that for a little while and just try to make more money from affiliates and, and push gear reviews and things of that nature. Or you could have done, kept doing consulting work and on the side or, or whatever. So why, I guess, why go all in to the Amazon store versus, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of YouTube or content creators that are like, we'll just do the, the affiliate stuff and, and really just go all back in. Uh, because now in addition to travel and creating content, you guys are also creating content and managing your Amazon store business. Sure, because affiliates are limited by how many clicks you're getting and the conversion rate you have on there. Now we we own what we're making uh, affiliate on. And the best way to look at it, I guess, overall is um, what we sell on Amazon, a very, very small percentage comes from our social traffic like very small percentage that's not what's supporting it. the amount it does help boost our detail page rankings and our bestseller rank though so that's where we're able to leverage just i guess the social marketing there that leaves us selling at a higher rank to just that incredible customer base amazon has as opposed to affiliate you really are limited by your audience right and you're also only getting a small percentage of that sale that totally makes yeah, that makes sense. So I think we've noticed this maybe a little bit with Alyssa's book too. It's like that initial surge of audience kind of brings in reviews and traffic and it lets Amazon maybe know that you're kind of a little bit legit and it gives exactly. you an opportunity to get out there. But then like outside of that, like you have to have a really good product and people want to stick around and, and they, the reviews have to be good and it kind of has to snowball and that gives you, it's almost like it gives you a chance, a little bit of a leg up but it's by no means a long-term solution. Like it has to be, I don't know if does that make sense. I could not agree with more with what you said. And uh, yeah, like the Amazon algorithm, it likes that outside traffic. We're, we're sending them customers who aren't just buying our stuff, but are on their site now and open to buying other things. So that's going to help our rank. But yeah, at the end of the day, your audience, not your, your audience, sorry, say our audience, once it is not, even I guess a percent of our sales. Totally. And when did the Amazon store launch? We launched, I guess, last June. 
June of 2017. Yeah, June of 2017 with a 60 piece backpack order. And uh, I mean, it's just like the tiniest order I could have got from anybody for a viable product. And it's, it's just kind of funny to think about when you're that ordering small it. of an order. Yeah, ordering it from the manufacturer to then sell out. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, we'd be getting w- sales coming in and saying, oh, wow, we sold like three today. And like you would look at the names. You'd be like, wow, this is going all the way to California. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's such a good feeling, though, to get like those first orders, right? Like to be like, this is something we made. It's real. Um, and to know that it's going out there into the world. That's a good feeling. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And <laughs> Now the amount of like, emails for things shipping out, like you can't even necessarily keep up with them. It's something I like look at once a week to see. Like it's exciting when they're going to new countries we haven't shipped before. So it scales, but like it never loses that thrill. It's so exciting to see an order go out. So you you had mentioned um, if you could sell ten products that around the ten dollar day mark, then then that is a mark of like that's a great product and that's a, could be a good Amazon store. Have you guys hit that in a little over a year? You don't have to share like Uber specifics if you don't want to like free, feel free to share, but just like from a detail perspective, like have you guys been able to hit that kind of minimum amount? When I left my job in October, 2017, that's kind of where we were. It was like, okay, oh, wow. this is something, it is something viable. It needs more work. And this is something we can build. Like we wanted to do proof of concept really. And then since then, it's just things have been nuts. And I don't want to go too into detail, but like, if anything, it's inventory is our biggest issue these days. And like, yeah, we've, we've added a bunch more, I guess, SKUs or ASINs, just different product choices. And the store's going fantastic. You're getting a really good lesson in business. It's, we probably learned more than I guess you would in your MBA or something in the past year because we're running into the real life challenges where uh, I wouldn't have never thought this a year ago, but if you are growing too fast, the nature of having products, you have to order the inventory ahead of time before it sells, of course. And that you know takes a lot of cash when you're placing a huge order to come in and, and be shipped from the manufacturer. So it was like never thought about, but there are good things. But then you're saying, oh, wow, like this is real, you know, real life business school of, of business challenges that you run into. I think what's really cool is like what I love about podcasts and like interviewing people like you guys is that you could tune in to Tim and Finn and, and watch y'all's YouTube channel. You're like, oh, it's this really cool couple. They're traveling and seeing really cool places. And a lot of times if people don't dig in and get to know you guys, they may just think, oh, you know, it's like this couple that it would be nice to like have enough money to go travel the world. I'm sure you guys get that comment, as I'm sure a lot of travelers do when people just kind of like skim by and they just think like it's not possible. And then to get to know you guys at a different level and hear like you're spending your days running your business and then you're also going out and doing these cool things to share with people. That's like a totally different facet of what you do. I think that's really cool. It can be frustrating sometimes because you'll get that odd comment on you as YouTube <laughs> is always full of nice comments like yeah. that from anonymous. Yeah, it's people don't see that, I don't know, work you put into the business. They don't see that, okay, they're, it's cool they're in Valdez, but do they know that I've been at the library every day from like the time it opens to closes? Because when we're off the grid here, you know, you can't get online, you can't do the research you need to. So when it's time to work, it's time to work. Yeah. Well, I want to go, let's go back a little bit because I kind of want to go through the, the, 
chronological process of getting the Amazon store started. So you, you had a list of items that you had kind of broken out. You're like, these are going to, there's going to be like the ones I'm looking at. So you're logging in every day, looking at the Amazon search or looking at the Amazon rank, which basically is Amazon's store saying like, this is the amount of products that this is selling every day. And you didn't have specifics, but you could kind of look and gauge and, and compare things and kind of know. So how did you start dwindling that list down to just, I guess, a couple products to start with? Sure. After you've identified a product and it's not black and white, all you're ever going to do is get a pretty good feeling about something and know you've done your research, but you don't know if it's going to necessarily work for sure. Then it comes down to contacting suppliers. And I used Alibaba, as almost everybody does, to kind of find manufacturers overseas that already made the product I was interested in. And then it's about finding out pricing, getting samples from them, seeing who's willing to work with your minimum order quantities. Because again, when you start, you're not, you don't want to order $10,000 worth items. You, you want to order 60 backpacks, right? Right. To uh, test the waters. So then that's the major second step there is finding the right suppliers. So if you reach out to 10 suppliers, you might get, sam- well, you better get samples from three of them. And then it's about choosing the best quality for the price you're looking for. Then the next piece is then like watching the sales come in and it might, you might be then test- testing two different products. Like for us, if it was the backpack and the packing cube to see how the sales are doing in comparison. So you, you identified that these two these two products were selling better than others and you started sourcing manufacturers. Uh, How long did it take to get the product in that you wanted? So like from the time of reaching out to using Alibaba to reach out and it's really Alibaba is a marketplace of manufacturers kept connecting them with people who want to create their own products. Uh, And so how long did that process take to go through order samples and find something was good and communicate and, and get something that you wanted? That first time, I would say it took two months to find a sample that I was willing to work with the supplier. And uh, if anybody's interested in doing this, like you need to spend a lot of time there. You need to find a supplier you can trust and you need to find quality that's second to none. Because if you're trying to sell a second rate product on Amazon, you're going to put a ton of money into it. You might make a couple bucks at first, but those reviews are going to slaughter you. Um, even with a great product, it's, it can be an uphill struggle to be getting good reviews. Yes. Sometimes we get things like this packing cube hurt my wrist. Um, <laughs> I was but... zipping the packing cube and it hurt my, I, wow. I swear that is oh, a real, real life. Review. That sounds kind of like a personal problem a little bit, but right. weak wrist. So, uh, yeah, two months to get a sample for sure. And, you know, choose a supplier. And then depending on the level of customization you want to do for your private label, it's going to take a month to two months to get your customized manufacturing run done for you. And as a, for example, of what Tim means by the customization piece, like for example, with the backpack. So you find the supplier on Alibaba who's making a backpack and we can, you can see other brands on Amazon selling almost exactly the same backpack, but our customizations on this backpack are, we have a fleece lined sunglasses case and an extra water bottle holder and extra, you know, padded shoulder straps. So it's just like the little things that make it your own. And then, you know, you're kind of slapping your own logo on it and uh, pushing it out. Gotcha. Because I mean, I guess the thing that you don't want to run into is that obviously customers can research and see 
there's three or four different kind of backpacks that are all kind of the same, but with different logos. But you guys have an element of like these small customizations and tweaks because you travel with your sunglasses, for instance. So you want that extra padding and you can kind of leverage your experience and say, our backpack's better because we changed these things. Exactly. And yeah, I guess I left that out these days to compete. Yeah, you can't you can't be putting the same thing up there as everybody else, uh, especially an established seller. You need to make some tweak to it. And when you're already there, it's all about the, you know, increase or how you can improve upon what you already have. And the packing cubes are a good example of that. You know, we were selling a two piece set and you can talk about variations like different colors or different patterns. And then, you know, we kept improving or changing based on sales. And then, you know, once we offered six piece as a set, while it's more expensive, it's actually more of a popular option for people to buy. Hmm. How did you guys know that the quality from the manufacturer was going to be pretty good? Because you have you got samples and then you sent your own customizations in. And But how did you know, like, once you started ordering larger quantities that the quality was going to still be good when shipping to customers? Or did you know? The best process I came up with is just laying in bed at night and thinking about it nonstop <laughs> and not going to sleep. Yeah, so it sounds pretty productive, right? <laughs> right, exactly. And then, buying our own products like from amazon mm. like we were customers just to test it out yeah Ho- hoping it was the same thing as a sample yeah i mean you really can't um you find that supplier you get that small moq that minimum order quantity uh you start selling through that you place that second slightly bigger order and the supplier i'm using now i i started with such a tiny order from them and now just the massive orders we're placing um it, we've just built up that trust over the past year you can use companies to uh inspect the goods before they ship from china it's not very expensive but if you don't have that good of a relationship with your supplier already you're you're kind of already lost i guess because if they're ready to ship and they think that's good enough like you have bigger problems than with your business how often are you in communication with your supplier i talk to her <laughs> Mostly every night unless, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're out of cell range. Just because there's so much, there's so many moving pieces. Uh, she'll be getting results back from like new products we're working on or asking about how I want something. So like we seriously, joke, it's every Jen's night. Girlfriend. <laughs> She's nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you guys get the products in, you like them. Where do you go from there? Like, how does shipping work when you have a product like sure. you guys have? Do you do drop shipping or? So the first order is a product. Again, if you're interested in doing Amazon, you need to absolutely have them shipped to your house so you can inspect the quality, make sure everything's labeled correctly for Amazon. That's what we did for our first orders. But now we are FBA. That's fulfillment by Amazon. That means everything is going directly from our overseas supplier to Amazon warehouses. Um, we don't see the products anymore. So it's kind of crazy. We just see numbers and data from Amazon and our reporting tools. But uh, unless we're doing, we're getting a sample on a new variation or if we're going to launch a new product, we really don't see anything besides occasional orders to pocket check the quality. It's so crazy. I mean, like Amazon does the same thing, obviously, with their books, their print on demand books, which what we use. And so it's just like you check the reporting every day and you're just like, this is all happening. And I did nothing today. Like, I mean, you're, you're still working on the business, right? You're still doing a lot, you know, talking with your supplier and things like that. But yeah. 
I mean, from a business that you can handle while you guys are in the re- remote reaches of Alaska, let's just take a minute and just like, it's freaking awesome, right? Like, it's really cool. Yes, the goal is definitely to work less while making more. And we like the Alaskan time zone now because everyone's ahead of us. So we've been waking up going, oh, what's already happened today? Oh, look, we already sold this many versus if you're on the East Coast. Yeah, no, that's that's really cool. So you ship the first few orders to your, yourself, kind of do your own quality assurance on them. And then how do you go about starting to build y'all's Amazon store? Like you announce it, share. I saw you, you've done some videos, obviously, on your YouTube and leveraged the community on social that you guys have built to talk about that. So how do you start getting reviews in and getting the word out there? And, and what are the kind of the components that go in? And I know we're covering a ton right now, and we could probably talk for five more hours about this. But I guess at a high <laughs> sure. level, what were some of the things that you guys did to get your store up and running. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, we did have social platforms that we didn't have like that many followers or anything. I mean, we still really don't, but it's like that certainly helped. Um, and that was there. But we also don't want to then like spam everybody like, hey, you know, come buy all of our stuff. So we try to incorporate it in a more genuine way to say like, hey, we're on this hike and we are using our backpack. If you want to buy our backpack, it's down there. Um, <laughs> hey, we made these packing cues because we already told you that we love these other ones. So we made something similar and, um, you know, not trying to spam or sell to our audience, but like, hey, we made these and we believe in them and we wouldn't be offering them unless you know, we thought you could benefit from them. And then through the social platforms, if we get reviews of the products where people send me like an Instagram saying, oh, I just bought your packing cubes. These are great. I'm like, hey, thank you so much. But, you know, at that point, you really do have to be a business person and ask, like, you know, if you really feel that way, it means the world for us to actually review totally. it on Amazon. I love it. I love it. We do the same thing. That's the one-on-one. Like, if somebody took the time to reach out to you and just, like, making that could be semi-awkward. You strike me as someone who doesn't care to ask, which is awesome. But I think a lot of people probably would be like, that's weird. It's the, probably the most effective thing in getting those reviews that you guys have, I would think. Well, I'm so glad that it doesn't come off that way because no, it feels super weird. It feels weird to talk about it in the video. Like I'm always putting it together. Tim's like, don't put that in there. I'm like, it's okay to say that we have a store. Like it's okay. Um, I think it's, I think it's awesome. It I, I, yeah, I heard uh, Tim mention on one of the videos, he was like, I don't want to feel like I'm spamming you guys with this and like you're a Paul. I think it's it's really cool and it adds a really unique level of like, I don't know the right, right word, but I guess depth to what you guys are doing and it makes it meaningful that you're creating these things. And, you know, I think there's nothing wrong with going out and creating lots of amazing content and sharing like inspirational travel with people and getting them pumped to go see the world. Like that's a great, I think of what Kara and Nate do and what you guys do is like a huge value because it, people can get inspired to go on their own adventures, but you're not just doing that. But even if you were, that's okay. But you're also doing, you know, running your own business and providing a good value and services to people. So I, I wouldn't think that it would be spamming at all. <laughs> it, it feels spam. <laughs> but at least like we've been here and we filmed from the beginning. So everybody saw the fact that we were in this huge budget travel mode. We saved our money. You know, we went abroad. Of course, there's people who still like see just one video and they're like, oh, like, you know, lucky spoiled people. But if you have followed the journey, then you've seen that part of it. You've seen us go back to work in the States and then turn into RVers, create the Amazon store. So it's really like the process of like, hey, you know, we just did this. You can do it too. 
Absolutely. No, that makes sense. So you guys launched the store in June of last year. By October, it was kind of hitting that minimum threshold that you're like, there's something here, you know, selling that, I guess, the 10 products a day at 10 bucks or whatever. But like, whatever it was, there was a validation that you guys could grow this. Um, right. What What have been some of the most effective ways to continue getting the word out there about your products? Because like you initially, like you said, you have the reach through social. So you can kind of announce like, we've got these new products, you should go check them out. And then it sounds like ongoing, you guys kind of casually mention here and there, like we've got these products, like hope you haven't forgotten, (laughs) you know, like go check them out. (laughs) And, but other than I guess leveraging your YouTube and what you guys do, which is a huge part of that, like what are, what have been some of the most effective ways to get more traffic and buyers to your Amazon page and convert. That is where it gets really (laughs) boring. That is where the uh, research into SEO comes in. That's where buying tools. You mentioned before, like we have a lot of reviews on our product. Uh, There's a software solution that somebody's willing to sell you for that um, to automatically follow up with all your customers and ask them. What's the name of uh, the software that you use for that? That's called Feedback Genius. And it sends people, it's like whenever people buy your product, it sends them an automated message asking them to leave a review. Yep. With uh, links to your product. And you know, it's about sending a heartfelt email out there. I don't want to just spam people like we're some huge company. We're we're not. It's, it's me, Finn and Pepper. And, uh, (laughs) (laughs) and you know, people connect with that. And, uh, that's one way to, for example, solve the problem of how are you getting reviews? Because that validates your product and people are more likely to convert if they see high reviews, pictures, that sort of thing. Um, I'm learning every single day. Like you're always optimizing your listing. That never changes. You you buy better software tools that help you find better keywords and you're just slowly trying to rank up. You're also experimenting on the other side, like, how about advertising with Facebook? Okay, we tried that. It was a waste of money. How about mm. doing uh, Instagram ads? I think we did a little of it. It's ah. just, it's so hard <laughs> to convert from external traffic to an Especially Amazon when there, sale. There's so, there's so many people already on Amazon, right? Like, Right. So hit them. The best thing we found is hitting people when they're on Amazon and they have intent to buy. And so they're already I, shopping for that type of product and you're just trying to get yours in front of them and the the reality of what tim's talking about with the different you know seo and ranking up is like if we see our rank has fallen a few positions based on certain keywords like compression packing cubes okay well we're at a lower rank today than we were yesterday wow we actually have less sales because we're ranked x versus y or our reviews live around a 4.5 averages because it averages every half a point so you're either at a five which at over like 200 reviews like you no one's really a five or at least like it doesn't look genuine or a 4.5 or a four. And like, if we drop to a four temporarily, we're like, Oh, less sales. And why is that? Oh, we're at a four. Okay. We need to get back up to a 4.5. Interesting. Yeah. No. So you guys running Amazon ads right now? Yeah. I mean, we, we spend a few hundred dollars on Amazon ads every day, but that's just the cost of business. Well, and you also look at it relationship to your sales and profit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But still, they, yeah, yeah, you're spending that on PPC. 
Yeah. Yeah. Amazon ads is amazing. It's like we we did several campaigns for Alyssa's book. And then after a while, she's like, I'm going to do a never ending campaign because it should never end. <laughs> because it will literally show you, hey, you paid, you put 50 bucks in ad. Amazon brought you in 400. It's like, okay, take all my money. That's the best reason. Right. I know they break it down. You know, your a cost on a product. And uh, when you know what you're getting in return, it, it makes it simple. You're like, yeah, there's no limit on this no campaign limit. because of the return it's giving to me. But then there's a there's optimization and tweaking that. So like get more sales from less spend. Right. So it's always something. Uh, there's always another lever to pull. It's boring as that sounds. Oh, it's it's not. I could geek out on talk about this stuff for a long time. So looking at y'all's first year of travel compared to wh- what you're doing now, obviously, it's different modes of travel, like you're in RV and versus, you know, being in a in more stationary place in Bali for a couple months, for instance. But how has it been kind of doing the we're going to save up money and go all in on travel on our savings kind of thing versus running your business on the road? Like, I guess, like at a high level, what have been the pros and cons of different approaches to, to different modes of travel? <laughs> well, I can say we're definitely happy that we've found a way to work and travel. That was number one, like whatever the style of travel is. So the fact that we can just both be anywhere, like takes the cake over anything. I'd say our biggest surprise between the two and maybe also a variable, we're choosing a different lifestyle because we're making money now versus like being on a budget. But we cannot believe how much more money we're spending here traveling in an RV in North America versus all the international travel that we did abroad in that first year. Um, we just find this to be more expensive, which it obviously doesn't necessarily need to be uh, with, you know, boondocking and just different styles like that, but finding the need to be connected or just the comfort of having hookups or something like that. Um, we, yeah, we're surprised. I mean, we were never, never staying in hotels that were $50 a night, like, you know, an RV park or something, a $50 a night would have been like an infinity pool and like, <laughs> like luxuries that we didn't have abroad. I mean, even in, you know, it's one thing to say like Vietnam or something, but even in a lot of parts of um, Europe too, I mean, Santorini's infamous honeymoon Island, you can spend $800 a night on a hotel, but we were staying in a place with $26 a night with a pool and like 26 for an, RV, yeah, for an RV park here. We're <laughs> like, Oh awesome. good. That's a you know, cheaper <laughs> night. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a term lifestyle creep as I read on y'all's blog, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yes. The lifestyle creep is as you make more money than you end up spending, spending more money. And that's the strategy of how to save for your trip. I, if you are starting to make more money, don't spend more money. <laughs> The last question I have for you guys, and I ask this on each episode, is just how do you guys define success and what you're building in your Amazon store and Tim and Finn on YouTube uh, and in your travels? Like, how would you guys define success and what you're doing? <laughs> um, wow, wow, it's speaking right to my heart right now. I am just uh, <laughs> success for me. I've always wanted to have my own business. I have this now. I don't know anybody I've ever talked to who has like been perfectly happy at 
their job and like not felt like they wanted to do more and just like putting the work in and making something work. Like I, I feel like I hit that success I was looking for, especially the last year of work before I left to do this. I was just really banging my head against the wall with uh, management telling you like your ideas aren't right or like you're not doing your job well. It's like, well, when you go work for yourself, you're only responsible to yourself at the end of the day. And uh, it can be a little scary sometimes because the risk is so high. But now that we've fully transitioned here, I can't imagine going back. Yeah, I love it. What about you, Finn? For me, yeah, you are hitting the heartstring because we just had a big talk last night. Uh, now we have arrived here in Alaska after months of driving from Florida. We also have our business has grown a lot in the past six months during that drive. So all of a sudden we're at this place where now we're about to turn around and start heading south. And um, when you say success, I mean, I think more like happiness because we've reached a point that we wanted to get to where we can support ourselves and have a flexible lifestyle. But then again, I mean, it sounds spoiled to be able to say this now, but here we are well, okay, well, what do we want to do? Now we really can do anything. Now the hardest part is looking at each other and saying, well, what what do you want that to be? Like, what does your ideal day look like? What time do you want to wake up? You know, you want to take the dog for a walk. Do you want to have access to be able to swim or be outside or like you know what does that really look like how many hours a day do you want to spend i know what it looks it looks like mexico we're seeing some, we need some warmer weather as we sit up here in the 40 degree rain <laughs> no i i think it's a good question and one that we are constantly like throwing against each other and just trying because the answer changes and it's like a good thing to kind of reevaluate at times because at one point success was probably just being able to go travel and then you took it up a notch and like how can we make a full-time income and still travel and so it, it it's kind of like always a moving target um and it's just interesting so where is a good place for people to connect with you guys online we are tim and finn on all of our social channels um our most interesting is certainly our YouTube channel where we push out weekly episodes called Tripped every Sunday. And we are right now just finishing up uh, season two. And then we will be starting to push out season three, which is everything in the mountains coming up through uh, Tetons, Yellowstone, Banff, and all the way up here to Alaska. I love it. Thank you guys so much for being on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having us. This has been awesome. We are honored. We feel so famous to be on your <laughs> awesome podcast. <laughs> hey, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Make sure to go say what's up to Tim and Finn over on YouTube. And if you haven't left a review for the podcast, it's been a while since I bugged you for one. <laughs> Reviews are really the lifeblood of this show. It's how people find it and and check it out. And it boosts iTunes search algorithm so more people can check out this podcast. So if you haven't left a review for The RV Entrepreneur, I would love it and it would mean the world to me if you took two seconds to go leave an honest review in there. Thank you guys so much. And I'll see you all next time on The RV Entrepreneur Podcast. 